All right, guys, you are locked on Falcons. I'm your host, Aaron Freeman. And today I am previewing the Falcons defensive line group talking about Grady Jarrett, Marlon Davidson, and who will emerge in various roster battles later this summer. You are locked on Falcons, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So, guys, you know me. I'm Aaron Freeman. Been covering the Falcons for many years, formerly at FalkFans.com. RIP, still going strong, however, on Twitter at FalkFans. And, of course, the host of this world-renowned Locked On Falcons podcast, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast, right here on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And before we get started with today's training camp preview episode, I do want to plug the Locked On Fantasy Football Podcast. If you're looking for that edge to help you win your fantasy league this year, Vinny Iyer of the Sporting News, the host of the Locked On Fantasy Football Podcast, gives you the daily edge on that podcast, getting you the data you need so that your fantasy squad never fails. Subscribe to the Locked On Fantasy Football Podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. So today's episode is continuing our training camp previews. We did the wide receivers and offensive linemen, I think, last week. I don't know. They all bleed together. We're switching to the defensive side of the ball. We're going in a slightly unorthodox order, but we'll continue on the defensive side of the ball going D-line, probably edge rusher, and then off-ball linebackers. Yes, I am separating all of those groups. So if you're curious why I won't be talking about players like Jacob Tony Mariner or Steven means or Dante Fowler on today's episode, it's because we will talk about those guys with the edge rushers, uh, probably on tomorrow's episode. But with these training camp previews, we'll sort of talk about the roster changes. We'll talk about the depth chart, at least as how I see it going into training camp. We'll talk about some of the more prominent roster battles and particularly with this D line group. One of those will be sort of the competition behind Tyler Davison for the backup nose tackle position. And sort of one of the other big storylines, at least this summer, if not this season, and that's really going to be focused on sort of who's going to be that third wheel in this D line group, you know, Grady Jarrett, Tyler Davison seemingly are locked in, but who's going to emerge as that third option uh, for this D-line group as the primary sort of starter opposite those two uh, when the Falcons use their various fronts. And, you know, presumably we kind of expect that to be Marlon Davidson, but we'll take a deeper dive to see if maybe guys like a John Kaminsky or take on grammar, possibly somebody else could emerge this summer as that sort of third wheel. But before we get into that, let's sort of outline the various roster changes that the Falcons had a D line group and relatively speaking to the rest of the roster, you know, while the Falcons did add several players, they didn't lose a ton of players uh, from this group. So most of the core of their D line from a year ago is mostly intact. The only player that they lost was Alan Bailey. Uh, they wound up adding several players in the fifth round draft pick, Taquan Graham and free agency. They added Jonathan Billard post rookie mini camp. Uh, signing at nose tackle was Olive Sungapalu. Uh, they post mandatory minicamp in June of a backup nose tackle was John Atkins. And they also added undrafted free agent out of BYU, Zach Dahl. Um, and, you know, looking at their depth chart, 
And let's be clear, uh, you know, I'm, I'm really just guessing at this point in time. And to make it easier for myself as well as you, I'm sort of designating the left defensive tackle as the five technique, basically meaning that if and when the Falcons use their four-man front, that player will function largely as a defensive end and the right D tackle more as a three technique. So if the Falcons do utilize a four-man front, that player is still going to primarily look like a defensive tackle. And, you know, guys are going to play all over these various multiple fronts that Dean Pease is going to institute. And you're going to probably see a lots of different combinations, unlike the Dan Quinn 4-3 under defense, which, by the way, was a hybrid 3-4-4-3 defense, uh, in, in case people think sort of that's a new development here in Atlanta. But in the Dan Quinn 4-3 under defense, guys sort of had specific roles in their fronts. Um, and sort of you are this, you're the strong side defensive end, you're the under tackle, you're the nose tackle, et cetera. Uh, and we'll try to categorize that under DMPs, but you'll likely see less of that under DPs. You'll still see guys probably gravitating to primary roles where they'll generally play more of a specific role than others. But, you know, you'll see probably a little bit more multiplicity. But with that being said, let's talk about the three left defensive tackles. Again, those five technique hybrid defensive ND tackles. I have a top to depth chart, John Kaminsky. Number two, I have Taquan Graham behind him. And then Jonathan Ballard at number three, moving inside to the nose tackles. Uh, one is uh, Tyler Davis in the top to depth chart. Two is Olive Sangapalu, and then three is John Atkins. And then at the three technique right defensive tackle spot, I have Grady Jarrett, of course, atop the depth chart. Marlon Davidson behind him. Uh, three is Deidre Sanat. Four, Chris Slayton. And five is Zach Dahl. Quick edit here. Uh, Zach Dahl should be moved to the fourth spot behind Jonathan Ballard at left defensive tackle. Uh, since he'll be more of a defensive end than a defensive tackle. That's my mistake. So there you have the Falcons depth chart. And since it is ranking season uh, this summer, you know, every summer people throw out their rankings and maybe you can make the case that Grady Jarrett got a little overlooked or snubbed on various ranking systems that we'll talk about coming up, but more importantly, we'll also talk about if Marlon Davidson or possibly another player will sort of emerge as that third wheel, that second fiddle to Grady Jarrett, particularly as a pass rusher to provide that push up the middle of the defense coming up on today's podcast. But before we get there, guys, I do want to plug the NBA side of Lockdown Podcast Network, where you can find a daily podcast devoted to your favorite NBA team, whether they're in the NBA finals or they're gearing up for the draft. You can find it all on the Odyssey app or wherever. You get your podcast. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. BetOnline gives you the latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs, including NBA, NHL, MLB, and all your UFC and MMA action. And there's no time like now to get started at BetOnline. The NHL and NBA playoffs are, of course, ongoing. Wimbledon just kicked off. And, of course, baseball season is in full swing, and you can track all that action at BetOnline, but it's not just sports. Since BetOnline even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV, you can get real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. Head over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today at BetOnline.ag. Use the promo code LOCKEDON and you'll receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. That means if you deposit 200 bucks, you get $100 in free money to play with. Again, with that promo code LOCKEDON for that 50% welcome bonus, BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts.
So let's talk a little bit about Grady Jarrett and his rankings. You know, this is timely because ESPN dropped their sort of top 10 uh, or starting to unveil their top 10 positional rankings. Uh, They did edge rushers earlier this week. They did uh, interior defensive linemen uh, Tuesday. As I'm recording this, they'll start to unveil, I think, other linemen later this week and off-ball linebackers, and then they'll get into the more sexy positions like quarterbacks and running backs, I think, next week. Uh, But go check them out. But uh, ranking the top 10 interior defensive linemen, Grady Jarrett finished 10th. Right. And that their methodology was surveying, you know, more than 50 league executives, coaches, scouts and players to help stack, uh, you know, the top 10 players at the various positions. And, uh, you know, when I saw their edge rusher rankings and happened to see none other than Chase Young seventh on that list, that's when I realized, oh, this whole process is a joke, you know. But uh, pro football focus contrasting to that a couple a week or so ago dropped their top 50 across the league and, and Grady Jet was 42nd on that list. And he was the fourth ranked interior defensive lineman. I think generally most people would probably put Grady Jarrett in their top three to five, as opposed to the 10. So, you know, you don't need me to come on here and tell you that Grady Jarrett's good, right? We all know that. And so when ESPN, you know, their ranking system put him at 10th, it's like, okay, that's fine. Right. It's a composite and, you know, clearly a whole bunch of people are a little too low on Grady Jarrett around the league, but it is what it is. You know, I'm not losing any sleep over, you know, 50 league executives, et cetera, uh, you know, putting Grady Jarrett 10th instead of fourth or fifth or, or whatever the case may be in their rankings. But, um, you know, I think when we look at this position group, we we know sort of Grady Jarrett is entrenched, right, in his role, joined by Tyler Davidson, pretty locked into their role. We're hoping for big years from Grady Jarrett so that he can, you know, blow away that 10th ranking spot and will clearly be in the top three to five on everybody's list um, when they rank him next year, if ESPN continues this exercise. And of course we're expecting Tyler Davidson to have a solid year, primarily as a run defender playing that nose tackle spot. But for me, the main thing that I'm keeping an eye on this summer is going to be the jostling uh, for that sort of third spot right um, between Marlon Davis and John Kaminsky and potentially take Graham. Essentially we're looking for who's going to emerge as that second fiddle to Grady Jarrett on passing downs. Who's going to provide that primary pass rush ability on the interior uh, this upcoming season. Cause obviously we know that primarily teams are in nickel, right in passing situations to passing league, et cetera. You're going to play nickel, you know, anywhere between 70, 75% of the time at this point in time, maybe, maybe 65% of the time if, if you're feeling lucky. But, um, you know, I think Davison is the guy that you expect. We all kind of expect given his talent, given his draft status, but Arthur Smith was quick to point out earlier this off season that no one's going to essentially get a free ride due to their draft starters. So, you know, Marlon Davidson is going to have to, earn it, but I expect he will, you know, he was basically healthy for, I don't know, like two, maybe three games last year after the bye week thanks to the knee injury that played them in the summer COVID issues, you know, basically had that two game stretch uh, after the bye week where he went off against the Raiders in the second saints game where he got a relatively normal amount of snaps and and really flashed and and really played well as a run defender in those games. Those also happened to be his two highest graded games, according to pro football focus. And I think that's an example where pro football focus grades are accurately reflecting his reflecting his contributions to the team in those two particular games. But what's interesting is while Grady Jarrett performed well in those games against the run, 
you know, the expectations going into last season was primarily not because what he was going to contribute as a run defender, but sort of being that fourth wheel a year ago as a pass rusher behind Grady Jarrett and Dante Fowler and Tack McKinley. And he wound up finishing the year, you know, with zero pressures on 95 snaps of, of rushing the quarterback. And for the sake of comparison, you look at the combined 38 snaps that Deidre Sinat has gotten over the last two years. He has a total of, you know, two pressures on 38 snaps. John Kaminsky only rushed the quarterback 51 times during uh, his rookie season when he was super raw back in 2019, and he still managed five pressures and, and, and half a sack. Uh, so it was a fairly forgettable rookie season for Marlon Davidson, and he's going to need to have a bounce back year this year because, you know, you argue instead of being the fourth wheel like he was expected to be last year, this year he's going to be kind of expected to be the third wheel because Tack McKinley's not walking through that door, and I don't quite know who else is that you can expect like we were expecting from Tack and he failed to deliver on, but you know, you could realistically expect Tack to give this team 30, 40 plus pressures a year ago uh, as a sort of a low end projection for what he could have done if he was healthy. And I don't know if there's any other player on this team outside of Davidson and, and obviously Dante Fowler and Grady Jarrett that you can honestly have those same expectations on uh, for this upcoming season. So if anybody's going to get 30 or 40 pressures, you know, Marlon Davidson, you know, besides Fowler and, and Jarrett, Marlon Davidson is your best bet. So, you know, he's going to have to make a jump and how big a jump he's going to make uh, from year one to year two is going to be the thing that we keep an eye on and is going to be the most notable thing. And I think a similar situation applies to John Kaminsky, who's now entering that sort of all important year three and instead of year two. And we talked about this on a recent podcast where I look back at the 2018 and 2019 draft classes, but as a refresher, you know, sort of my John Kaminsky scouting report back in 2019 was basically, he's a three-year project, much like players like Rashid Hageman and Jamal Anderson, Obviously, those guys were a little bit higher profile because of where they were drafted, but they were comparably raw defensive linemen like John Kaminsky. And both of those guys took until their third year to really sort of put it together. And we saw the best of what they could do. Not to sit here and say that either player are superstars in those third years, but, you know, they kind of peaked in year three. And so the same expectations should be on for John Kaminsky. We've seen the flashes, but he just kind of needs to put it all together where you can consistently get that. You know, ideally, you can consistently get that every week but you know if we have to settle for every other week or every third week i'll take that you know my most oft used phrase on this podcast is beggars can't be choosers and this is just another instance particularly you know anytime we talk about the pass rush i say beggars can't be choosers guaranteed that that phrase will be dropped whenever we talk about the pass rush because basically the falcons as far as our pass rush has been concerned you know for however long you want to talk about it have been beggars right so Moving on from Kaminsky and talking about Taquan Graham or Taquan Graham, I'm sorry. Uh, you know, my expectations for Graham aren't particularly high. You know, I expect him to be sort of that fifth guy. He'll have a role in the defense, but primarily if you look back at how, you know, the Titans used their defensive line rotation in 2018 and 2019 when Dean Pease was there. I kind of expect that fifth guy to get a modest amount of snaps. That's the role that Darius Kilgo and Isaiah Mack had in 2018 and 2019, respectively, for the Titans, which is most weeks they'll get some snaps, you know, maybe a dozen or so snaps, but usually in the single digits, their primary role is to just come in when guys need a breather, right? So if Grady Jarrett needs a breather, Taquan Graham comes in. If, uh, whoever Marlon Davidson, John Kaminsky needs the breather to Quan Graham can come in. So 
certainly I think Graham is capable of providing more than that. Um, but I would just simply say that if we're seeing Taquan Graham, you know, playing 25, 30 snaps a game, you know, to me, that's probably more, you know, if you, if you traveled, if you ran up to me and said, I'm from the future and Taquan Graham's averaging 30 snaps a game, my next question is going to be who got hurt, right? Like, or did Marlon Davidson or John Kaminsky completely fall flat on their face? Uh, you know, hopefully not. Um, and, and that led to Taquan Graham being the Falcons next best option than necessarily because Taquan Graham, you know, comes into the league and hits the ground running as his instant impact defender. But, you know, hopefully, hopefully, uh, you know, if he is great, you know, the more, the merrier really, again, beggars can't be choosers. So if Taquan Graham's providing that juice for the Falcons pass rush on the interior next to Grady Jarrett, I'm not going to complain about it. I'm just going to sit here and go, Hmm, you know, uh, what's going on with Marlon Davidson and, and John Kaminsky. Um, but uh, there's one other spot that we still need to discuss on today's episode, uh, talking a little bit more about these various roster battles of, along the Falcons D line. And that includes the backup nose tackle competition, where I think really is the sort of the key battle uh, when you're not talking about these guys, the aforementioned guys jostling for, you know, who's going to get the most snaps this season. Um, and we'll get into that as we continue today's locked on Falcons podcast guys. But, you know, we're talking about Taquan Graham's potential to impact as a rookie, but who's going to be the next group of rookies to impact in this league? And you can find two daily podcasts devoted to the NFL draft here on the Lockdown Podcast Network, including the Draft Dudes podcast hosted by Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as well as the Lockdown NFL Draft podcast hosted by Ter- Trevor Sikama and Ben Solak, and both of those podcasts are getting into their summer scouting series so that you guys can get a preview on the next crop of young talent to enter the league in 2022. So if you have the sickness, as some call it, uh, when it comes to being obsessed with the draft, by all means, uh, get that early jump by checking out either the Draft Dudes podcast or the Locked On NFL Draft podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. So this episode is brought to you by Rock Auto with ever increasing numbers of makes and models. It's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need. Why wait while the person behind the counter orders the parts on their computer when you already have a computer with access to rockauto.com at home or already in your pocket. Save time and money when using Rock Auto. You'll spend up to twice as much for the same parts when you order from that chain store or car dealership. Meanwhile, Rock Auto's Prices are always reliably low for every customer. Rock Auto is a family business serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years. They have everything you need, brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Go explore their easy-to-use website yourself today and find the solution for your auto parts needs. Go to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car or truck. Right locked on in the How Did You Hear About Us box so that they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Rockauto. Did you know that Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar on the market and has a brand new flavor in addition to the several other delicious flavors? This week only, get the newest Built Bar flavor, Grasshopper Cookie. If you're a fan of the classic Thin Mint Cookie, you'll love Grasshopper Cookie. They also have other delicious flavors including cookies and cream, mint brownie, coconut almond, cherry barcia, double chocolate, strawberry, orange, and so much more. Built Bars are soft, easy to chew, 
contain 100% real chocolate and tastes just like a candy bar. My favorite, the coconut almond, tastes just like an almond joy. And I highly recommend the strawberry. What's a better combination than chocolate and strawberry? And it's not just about Built Bar's great taste. They're healthy, too. They're low in sugar and calories, high in protein and fiber. Just head over to the website at BuiltBar.com. Use the promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your first order. That's promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off the new Grasshopper Cookie Built Bar at BuiltBar.com. So when examining the various roster battles, my expectation is that at least six players from this defensive line group will make the Falcons 53 man roster. It's possible that a seventh player could emerge, especially if someone really has a strong summer and emerges, you know, and and is kicking tail, you know, kicking third string offensive lineman, but in those preseason games, but more than likely I would expect, um, you know, that extra roster spot, instead of going to a defensive lineman, we'll probably go to someone on the back seven that can contribute on special teams. So when you look at the players that are locks to make the team, it's the five guys I've already talked about. Grady Jarrett, Tyler Davidson, Marlon Davidson, John Kaminsky, and Taquan Graham. Those five guys I feel like are pretty much locks to make the team. And so everybody else is kind of competing for one, maybe two spots. And Overwhelmingly, I think that one spot is likely to go to the backup nose tackle, which would mean Dejan Sanat and more likely Olive Sungapolu and John Atkins fighting for one spot. And, you know, when you look at the Falcons roster and sort of the five guys that I already mentioned, Jarrett Davidson, Davidson, Kaminsky, and Graham, those are probably going to be the guys that are likely to be active on game day. And so you're going to have a situation where the players competing for the backup nose tackle spot, similar to what we've seen with Dejan Sanat these last two years is probably one going to wind up being inactive most weeks. And it's, you know, similar to the reason why Dejan Sanat has been inactive for the last two years is because you don't need two players to basically split, you know, the entirety of the reps that the nose tackle is going to play in the base defense. Because again, you know, when you do the math on how often the Falcons are going to deploy a player like Tyler Davidson in the base defense as that nose tackle on rundowns, you know, that, that amounts to about 15 to 20 snaps per game where you kind of need that nose tackle in the base defense when you're not on the field nickel in those nickel situations, you're going to more often than not want to replace him with someone who's going to provide a little bit more juice as a pass rusher. So this does open up an opportunity for whoever winds up being that nose tackle because they're going to probably be inactive most weeks, unless there's an injury that does give you an opportunity to keep someone who's a little bit more of a developmental guy. You know, and I mentioned before that I think Sanat is going to be on the bubble uh, entering this summer. And, you know, I don't quite think uh, fits what the team is looking for in terms of that nose tackle that can be more of that wide body plug and play player. I think that's a contributing factor to why a player like Tyler Davidson, you know, leapfrog Sanat these last couple of years. And if you want to put it, you know, blame one thing, it's, you know, Deidre Sanat, you know, jokingly, uh, so don't come and beat me up. Even not when I say this, cause I know you can, <laughs> uh, you know, you know, he's got T-Rex arms. And when you're looking for someone who can sort of hold the point of attack and, and two gap a little bit, like you want in a three, four nose tackle, you know, having those longer arms like Tyler Davidson makes a lot of sense. Uh, and you know, you couple that with the fact that the Falcons have signed three nose tackles since the draft 
kind of is telling you that they felt like they already had a solid backup nose tackle already on the roster. Why would they have invested, you know, three different signings into that same position? Eli Anku was one of those three signings that the team did cut him back in June uh, when they signed John Atkins. And they also signed, as I mentioned earlier, Olive Sangapalu, you know, after the rookie minicamp back in May. And so Sungapalo and Atkins are going to probably compete for that job. Um, and, you know, if you were to look at that, that competition, you would say, okay, well, Sungapalo, you know, has maybe a little bit more upside because he's maybe a little bit more of a better athlete. While John Atkins has actually played these last two years, or at least in 2018 and 2019 with the Detroit lions. And so has a little bit more experience, although he didn't necessarily play at a high level in Detroit. Um, but you, you can't necessarily dismiss the fact that Sangapalo has, has yet to make an NFL roster since entering the NFL, I think back in 2019, um, Atkins did opt out of last season. They both were on the Detroit lions briefly together, uh, in 2020 and at the end of 2019 and in 2020, but then, uh, Atkins did opt out of last season and Sangapalo that gave Sangapalo an opportunity to make the roster to sort of fill in that backup nose tackle spot in Detroit last year, but wound up losing that competition to John Pennacini, who was a line six round pick. So we understand to a certain extent that the draft pick is going to get uh, a little bit of a, a nod over an, a former undrafted free agent. That was a practice squad player the previous year. But the fact that, you know, neither Atkins when he was healthy and, and playing for the Lions, you know, in 2018, 2019, and the fact that Sungapalo has yet to make an NFL roster, this doesn't give me a high degree of enthusiasm that the two players at the Lions essentially didn't want because they let go of Atkins this offseason as well as Sungapalo uh, last summer. You know, two players at the Lions didn't want gives me a high de- does not give me a high degree of enthusiasm that, you know, we are a Tyler Davidson injury away from having one of those two guys starting games for the Falcons this season, but we'll just see how it goes. And I know for a lot of folks, you know, given the seemingly high probability that Tyler Davidson is probably playing his last year in Atlanta, you know, and there will be a vacancy at that nose tackle position in 2022. I think there's going to be some expectations from a lot of people that, you know, there's the potential at least that whoever winds up becoming Tyler Davidson's backup this year and winning that competition could emerge as the primary option for the team to sort of pencil in to replace Davidson as a starter in 2022. I would be a little hesitant to to go f- all in on that. It's certainly a possibility. Uh, one certainly hopes that, you know, whoever, whoever fills that role does flash the potential this summer that you want to, because you're probably not going to see an opportunity from the flash at this uh, fall and winter, if all things go according to plan, because again, he'll probably be inactive most weeks, but one hopes that if that player does flash that potential this summer, you know, you could see that as a possibility, but more than likely, I think similar, and we'll probably talk about this later this month when we get to the running back position, but similarly, you're you're looking kind of at just a placeholder, like with JB and Hawkins, where, you know, the Falcons probably should have drafted a running back, but didn't. And you could argue that the Falcons probably should have drafted a nose tackle, but didn't. And, um, you know, this backup nose tackle, the, the Sungapalos, the John Atkins are essentially sort of keeping a spot warm before the Falcons dip their toes back into this position and do make that 
more substantial investment at this position uh, next offseason. But why the Falcons didn't draft a nose tackle, we could speculate whether it's best player available or just simply the fact that this was one of the weakest D tackle classes uh, that we probably in the last decade that we've seen. And the Falcons were just like, no, we, we don't have any interest in doing that. So I'm not blaming the Falcons by any means by doing that. I'm just saying that they chose not to do it and, and, here we are basically looking at, you know, two guys that arguably in, in Atkins and, and Sungapalu are, are camp bodies, um, you know, moving forward. Speaking of other camp bodies, you know, if someone is going to emerge for that seventh D line spot on the roster, I would guess Jonathan Bullard is the best bet given his experience. And uh, given the fact that this coaching staff is familiar with him from his days in Chicago over the last five seasons, but honestly, I, I, again, I view him more as a camp body that once the Falcons drafted to Quan Graham um, at the end of April, you know, I thought Ballard became a lot more expendable at that point. And there's certainly a universe where, where John Kaminsky gets pushed by the wayside, a la what we've seen from Deidre Sonat the last couple of years. And Jonathan Ballard winds up replacing him. Again, that's a possibility. But again, based off of what I have seen from Ballard and, and Kaminsky, you know, there's not a single thing that I think Ballard does that's better than Kaminsky. Ballard's been in the NFL since 2016, um, and despite reasonably high expectations as a former third round pick of the Bears, you know, has really not delivered in any shape or form. And so I, I, I suspect that this summer is going to be his last real shot to stick in the NFL. Uh, so if he does not make the Falcons team, uh, you know, I don't think we're going to hear too much of Jonathan Ballard moving forward in his NFL career. Um, you know. Other players in the roster, Chris Slayton is essentially a holdover from the previous regime, a practice squad guy. So I don't feel like unless he can, you know, he's not a bad player by any means from what I've seen. But, you know, unless he can really come on strong this summer, you know, I, I think he's, again, similarly a camp body. Zach Dahl, uh, the undrafted free agent out of, of BYU. Um, is I think a potentially intriguing practice squad candidate, but again, I would be very shocked if he wound up making the roster. So in, in general, you know, I don't know if the competition along the defensive line is as compelling as it is at other spots on the defense. You're kind of looking for a backup nose tackle. That's probably going to be inactive most games. And since we've already seen turnover at that backup nose tackle position since the draft, it wouldn't be you know out of the realm of possibilities that we'll continue to see the Falcons churn that roster the looking for the right candidate in the event that current options like Sanat and Sungapalo and Atkins don't quite live up to expectations you know the good thing about that is that finding competent two down run defending wide bodies is not particularly hard in the NFL you know those guys are kind of a dime a dozen which is part of the reason why Dejan Sanat has sort of lost favor uh, in Atlanta the last couple of years um, it's just, you know, for me looking at the situation, I just think the Falcons have essentially chosen to invest very little at the position as of yet. And we could get to a point at the end of August where if those investments so far, uh, the Sun Lupalos and the Atkins of the world don't pay off in a major way, I think you could certainly see the Falcons deciding to up their investment and going out there and getting a, a veteran player off the waiver wire as their next move. And, you know, it's been clear when you look at the sort of guiding principle of all the Falcons offseason moves, or at least most of them, you know, it's been trying to do 
everything as cheaply as possible with uh, the limited cap space that they have. But now that they have, you know, some cap space post Julio Jones trade, you know, that shouldn't be as much a concern between now and September. So it's not to suggest that the Falcons are going to go out there and splurge and spend $3 million on a backup nose tackle by any means. But instead of trying to have a hard limit of like, we look, we can't spend more than 800 K on, you know, 800,000, on this position, maybe you can have the flexibility moving forward that you could sort of double that or, or, or more. And, you know, at that point we'd be talking about Lee Smith money and everybody knows that if a, you know, a player was to make that type of money, he'd be making bank. And, uh, you know, that would certainly attract a, a much more diverse group of, of potential star players uh, by offering them Lee Smith type money uh, moving forward. So we'll see how that develops. Certainly some competition here at the D-line group. Uh, but, you know, the one roster battle nose tackle. But to me, the more intriguing storyline is going to be about that you sort of Marlon Davidson and or John Kaminsky and or Taquan Graham's emergence this summer to see if anybody can provide the, the sort of juice that we're looking for to tag team with, with Grady Jarrett um, this upcoming season, because, you know, one of the interesting things is going to be, you know, do the Falcons pay Grady Jarrett next off season? Do they pay him 20, 21 million dollars a year as part of an extension? And you do wonder sort of how, not necessarily having a proven number two to play beside him will help or hurt Grady Jarrett. Obviously, it's going to lead to teams double teaming him a lot more. So you could see um, his his numbers taking a hit. But at the same time, he could look so much better than the guy lining up beside him. The Falcons were like, look, we got to pay Grady Jarrett whatever it takes to keep him because we just don't have anybody else on this D line that can, you know, even come close to filling his shoes as the quote unquote 10th best interior defensive lineman in the NFL, if you believe ESPN. So we'll just sort of see how it all develops, but you know, hopefully Grady Jarrett will come in and and blow the doors off of any and all expectations for him this season, as well as Marlon Davidson, John Kaminsky, Tyler Davidson, Taquan Graham, Jonathan Ballard, you know, Deidreson. I'm rooting for Deidreson. I like him as a player. I just think circumstances have passed him by. And now, you know, he's sort of on the outside looking in, but wouldn't, you know, Crazier things have happened when it comes to the Falcons, where where a player that you kind of wrote off uh, sort of comes on strong. Um, but uh, that's what we'll leave it on today's episode, guys. And, uh, you know, speaking of today's episode, what are you going to listen to next? Well, what about the podcast that gives you all the sports news that you need every morning in other 20 minutes or every afternoon, depending on when you're listening to this. And of course I'm talking about the locked on today podcast hosted by Peter Bukowski gives you all that sports news. Find the locked on today podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. So tomorrow we're going to talk about the edge rushers, uh, which again will probably be another quick episode, but you know, we got a little bit more things to talk about and certainly we can devote a little bit more time on why Dante Fowler was an absolute bust last year and why we should be semi optimistic that he'll be better this upcoming season. In addition to the various uh, other roster battles at that position, we'll get an opportunity to take a deeper look into players like Jacob Tuori Mariner and, you know, Ade Ogandeji, Stephen Means, you know, there's a lot of players at that edge rusher group that I'm a big fan of. And of course the incomparable Kiki Mingo. So uh, certainly, uh, you know, some fun players to talk about on tomorrow's episode. Um, And uh, that is where we'll leave it guys. Yeah. Unfortunately, nobody made the ESPN, um, you know, top 10 
edge rusher groups from the Falcons, you know, and just another indicator of how preposterous the rankings are. The audacity to, to rank Chase Young above Dante Fowler when Chase Young is no better a player than Dante Fowler was last year. I know, hot take. Yes, I, I said it, and I, I that's not me being sarcastic. That's not me being a hater. Like, he was not better than Dante Fowler was last year. Um, better run defender. Sure, but even Dante Fowler had his moments. We'll get into it on tomorrow's. I'll save it for tomorrow's episode. Don't get me started on my, on my. you know, well, I'll devote half the show to Dante Fowler, half the show to Chase Young. That's what uh, will be in store for you on tomorrow's episode. Appreciate it, guys. Until then.